Check, check. Good morning, church. Can we thank the band for just leading us uh, for the Lord and worship? So good. We are blessed, blessed to have them. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 2. My name is Walker. I'm the middle school director here for Trinity Church. And uh, I'm excited for us to dive into the word and uh, just really celebrate the goodness of our God as we close out this year and get into the new year. Uh, on Sundays when over in, on our MSM service, I normally or sometimes will kind of ask students, like, hey, just with, like, your thumb, how was your weekend? Was it good, kind of so-so, or bad? And so for us today, I want you to get ready. Instead of asking about our weekend, though, asking about your year. Okay, so with a show of a thumbs up or side or down, we can be honest. If it wasn't a great year for you, you know, be, be honest. It's okay if it was so-so. So uh, how, how was your 2023? Was it good? Was it kind of side to side? Maybe not so great. For me, it was a good year. I'm seeing lots of thumbs up. We love that. A couple sides to sides. Thank you for, for being honest or even just a little across both ways. I like that. That's good. Thank you. Well, I hope it was a good year for you. For me, it was good. It was a year of travel and fun and uh, obviously get to work here. So just a good year. But I know for some of us, it was maybe a struggle and there were difficulties and times that were hard. And my hope is that as we finish up today, we can go into 2024 with the confidence that it will be a good year. Despite what this past year was, we're going to be ready to go in 2024, uh, ready for a good year. And so as I said, we are in Ephesians chapter 2. And what Paul is going to do for us today, he's going to, kind of, he's going to paint us a picture. And he's going to start off with kind of a dark, bleak backdrop and that backdrop is humanity. Paul wants to show how good God is, but he's going to start that off in Ephesians chapter 2 with kind of showing how bad humanity is so that way we could better see how good our God is. And Paul's going to show us three things today. I don't have any slides for us today, but we do have main points. So if you do, if you do take notes, if not, no worries. But Paul's going to show us three things, pretty simple. He's going to show us that we are lost. He's going to show us we have been saved. And ultimately, he's going to show us that we are designed for good works. Those are the three things we're going to see today. So let's dive in. The book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, uh, to these believers, and he's basically summarizing the gospel, the good news, and how it should impact our life, and how we have this new humanity in Christ. He wants these Gentiles and these Jewish believers to live as a new humanity under God. So Paul starts off, Ephesians chapter 2, he says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Starts off real fun, right? This is a fun Sunday. We love this. Uh, so Paul's basically saying, before you called Jesus your Savior, you were dead. Why? He says, because of our sins and our transgressions. This idea of, of sin really just means to miss the mark. God has set up the standard. God has set up the target. He has laid down the law and said, this is the expectation. And we have missed the mark. We've missed the target. We have not been able to follow the law. So we have sinned. We've missed the mark. We've fallen short transgressions, these false or wrong steps, maybe knowingly going against the way that the law is going. This idea that your steps, Paul is saying, has led you into traffic. 
You have taken the wrong steps, and so you are spiritually dead. Your sins and your transgressions have left you dead. And again, Paul is talking about a spiritual death here. He's not talking about a clinical death. You're physically alive, but you were spiritually dead before you knew Jesus. Verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Again, Paul is painting this dark backdrop so we can better see the goodness of God. And he's basically saying, we also, we also, me, Paul, and we also Jews, Jews also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh. Because he basically just told these Gentile believers, hey, you, you used to live against God, deserving of wrath. But he's saying, don't worry, we did too. And I, I like, I think I know what Paul's doing here. I love working with middle schoolers. You guys are awesome. Um, middle schoolers are also really sassy. And so what happens is, if we are in a small group or just a time with a couple students and a leader or me, we're just trying to, hey, we're all having this time. And maybe we call out one student in front of others. We say, hey, hey, so-and-so, can, can, you, can you focus up? You know what's going to happen? Their friend right next to them is just going to turn and go, yeah, so-and-so, come on, what are you doing? Listen, you're being distracting. And it's like, no, stop. You're causing the same problem. Don't do that. So, so I don't think Paul wants the Jews to turn to the Gentiles and say, yeah, you guys were living awfully. You weren't ever following the law. He's saying, no, no, we also lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And this is Paul, who, according to the Jews, would have lived a morally good life. He says he lived gratifying the cravings of his flesh. So Paul is obviously showing us that we are lost. But there's three things in these first three verses that lead to our spiritual death. Verse 2 and verse 3. Paul says, uh, when you lived following, followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work, he says, also, we also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires. So three evil forces will lead to our spiritual death. The world, when we follow the ways of the world, that leads to our spiritual death. When we follow the enemy, the enemy, Paul is saying here, has kind of some rule. Satan has some power here on earth. So when we follow the world, we're also following the enemy. That leads to our spiritual death. And also yourself. If you follow yourself, if you follow your heart, if you live for yourself, that will lead to your spiritual death. So Paul is saying to his readers, before you knew Jesus, you were dead in your sins, you gratified the cravings of your flesh, you worshipped yourself, you followed the ways of this world, you missed God's mark of perfection, and you were by nature deserving of wrath. We were filth. It's this dark, bleak backdrop. We are lost. Fun Sunday. <laughs> we're focusing on the goodness of God, right? It's, it's this idea that a whiteboard works because it's all white, so that way when you take your colored Sharpie and write on it, you can better see the color stand out. So Paul is really wanting us to see how good God is. In the same way, this dark backdrop to humanity, we can better see the goodness of God. So Paul is saying we are lost, but he doesn't leave us there. He says Paul is going to transition, and he's going to show us 
that we are saved, that we are saved. We are delivered by Christ. Verse 4 says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Exactly. Amen. Your translation maybe says, but God. Thank goodness for the but God. Because of his great love, we are saved. So we, we are saved because God is good, not because we are good. Salvation actually has very little to do with you and a lot to do with God. And I praise God for that because we know we fall short, we're selfish, but God sees us, he created us, he loves us, he has a better plan for us. But if we don't talk about those first three verses, then verse four and five lose their impact. It would be so nice if we could just stick with verse four and on and talk about the goodness and the grace that we're given, the mercy that we're shown. He says that God who is rich in mercy, mercy means not getting something you do deserve. So it would be wrong to say, hey, you've been given mercy, you've been shown mercy, without telling something, without telling us what we've done wrong to deserve that. Rich in mercy. And so what does God do for us? He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in, in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So while we were dead, even while we were dead, God was faithful to us when we were not faithful to him. This idea that a, a dead man can do nothing to help himself, can do nothing to make himself alive. And Paul is saying, we were all spiritually dead. There was nothing you did or could do that could change that situation besides a good God that loves you and knows you. That was our state before we knew Jesus. It was God who made us alive with Christ. God saved you, and he saved you because he loves you. Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So just as Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus is our representative. God rose us up with Jesus. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Church, don't miss this. God already sees us with him in heaven. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God already sees you in heaven worshiping with the Father. God is ready for you. There is an assurance. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We know where we're going because we are made alive with Christ. God loves us and has shown us grace and mercy and he seated us with him in heaven. He loves us. He's shown us mercy. He's shown us grace. Why? Verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So both here on earth and for eternity in heaven, God wants to show people his grace. God wants to show people his goodness. On earth, he wants to show people how good he is. And in heaven, we are going to continue to learn, continue to be in awe of our God and how much grace he has given us. God saved us. He saved you so that the world might see his grace. So this whole passage, it's about how good, 
how powerful, how much grace God has, and how undeserving we are. We are lost, but we are saved. Paul's going to continue. Because God does not just save you and save us from something. God saves us for something. We, God just has not just brought us back to spiritual life just for us to lay back down and pretend to be dead, just for us to live the same way. God has saved us from something, but he has a plan, and he saved us for something. We are designed for good works. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that way no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's this idea, man, it's grace through faith. We are saved by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's grace through faith. And, through faith. and this is a gift. It's, it's not from yourself. And the thing about a gift is you can't force someone to accept a gift, right? They have to accept it. And there's really only two things to, to do with a gift. God has offered us the gift of salvation. He's offered you the gift of salvation. And if you are saved, if you've accepted that, that's the one option. And if, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, right now you're rejecting that gift. It's the only two options. What we don't want to do is we don't want to accept God's gift of salvation and then keep it to ourselves, be quiet about it, be shy about it. We want to accept it with bold and with gladness. But those are the only two options. We either accept God's gift of salvation or we reject it. It's a gift, and it's a gift so that we, no one can boast. I remember when, um, in high school, when I think I just turned 16, so I could become a member, member, I think at 16, uh, and I was meeting with Scott Strum, and i grown up at this church, so I really felt prepared and ready, and so Scott's like, so if you, you know, if you die and you're at the gates, why should you go to heaven? And I failed. I did like the classic oh, well, you know, I've gone on mission trips for you, God, and I've lived for you, and I'm serving, and I, I want to, I'm, I'm trying to do all these things to please you, and, and me thinking I was being genuine. But that's like the ones that Jesus turns away, who says, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and prophesy in your name? He says, turn away, I never knew you. The problem with that is that's me saying, God, I went on mission trips for you. I served you. So that's me getting myself into heaven, into the presence of God. What Paul is trying to help communicate, it's a gift so that way no one can boast. No one can say, I'm a better Christian than you because I've gotten my here. So the Jews can't look at the Gentiles and say, oh, we're better Christians than you guys are. The Gentiles can't look at the Jews and say, man, you guys are legalistic. What are you talking about? We're better. It's a gift. It's a gift for you and me. That way no one can boast. We're saved by grace. Grace given something we don't deserve. So again, Jesus is not only saving our life, but he's giving us a new humanity, a new life in him. And what is this life? What do we do with it? Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This word handiworks, poema, poema, it's where we get our word poem. God looks at you and me, redeemed sons and daughters, 
and of all creation, out of all stars, the beautiful things we see on this planet, out of everything in the heavenly realms and earthly realms, God looks at you and me and he says, you're my masterpiece. You're my poema. You're my poem. God has poured so much of himself into us. His creation, though, it's become wicked. It's fallen away. We don't have value except for the fact that we're created in God's image and he loves us. So God sees us in that state. He sends his son to not only die for us, but to live the perfect life that we can't live. So that way when we do stand before the Lord, we just point to Jesus and we say, I'm with him. He lived the perfect life for me. Or we can say, I want to come into heaven on my own terms. But we'll fall short of that standard. So we are God's handiwork. When we are this new creation under God through Christ, we are a new creation. We are God's masterpiece. And now, being a part of this new, this new humanity, we are given new purpose. God gives you purpose. If you are struggling with where you're at, what to do, you're finishing high school, you're going into high school, it uh, doesn't matter where you're at. If you're going through a job change... Christ is the one who gives you purpose. Christ is the one who gives you fulfillment, not the world, not the enemy, and not yourself. If you seek those things, you will be left wanting. God gives you a purpose, and he tells us that purpose. We are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works. We are saved not just from something. We are saved for something. We are saved for good works works. Our third point today, we are designed for good works. Any works? What defines good works? How do we know what those things are? We have to look to Jesus. It's all about him. Today is about the goodness of God, and that goodness is fully expressed to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our Jesus Christ. That's our greatest example of God's goodness. And so if we want to figure out what are the good works that God has specifically designed you for to do, we just have to look to him. He's fully, fully the one we need to look to. And Paul is helping us realize that in this passage. It, it's all about Christ. We see that we are lost without Christ, we are saved by Christ, and we are designed for good works in Christ. He is the focus of today. He's the focus of the year. He's our eternal focus. We want to do good works that furthers God's goal. And again, he gives us that goal in verse 7. In order, this is why he saved us. This is why he saved us even though we were dead in our transgressions. In order that in the coming ages, both here in earth ages, but also in the heavenly ages, he, uh, in order that in the coming Ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Again, God wants people to see his grace and his goodness. And so God has a specific work for you. He has designed you specifically, yes, for your whole life, but for 2024. God has a specific work for you that only you can do through him in 2024 that will further this goal of people seeing the grace and goodness of God. And that's something only you can do through Christ. It's not because you're so good, but it's because Christ is so good. 
But he has designed you. It says that God prepared in advance for us to do. So before you were born, before the world was created, God knew you were going to sit in these chairs, but he knows there is something that I have designed you, my masterpiece, to do in 2024 that will further the goal of people seeing the grace of God. That's our purpose that we're given. 2024 will be good because God has promised that his good works for you that only you can do. And that's both for this year and that's for the rest of your life. God has placed you in this time for a reason and you have a purpose to live for him. It'll be a good year because our focus shifts from your point of view to God's. When we talked about this year, was it good, was it bad, was it maybe? The problem that I have is I think through this year, I traveled, I did these things, I, I, yeah, I worked, that's good, and get so caught up with me as the focus of the year. Instead of shifting my focus and saying, God, how are you good this year? Even if that means it doesn't seem like God's good to me, he's still good and he has a plan that we can trust in. So as we get into this year, if you've put your faith and trust in the Lord, Go discover the good works that God has planned for you to do. That's the challenge today. That's all it is. Go discover the good works that God has for you to do. Many of you are probably already doing it. Good, continue. Do it more. Do it better. Ask Christ to work through you in a greater way. And if you have not accepted Jesus into your heart, Paul tells us that you are spiritually dead. And Christ wants to make you alive with him in Christ and spend eternity with him. So the challenge to you is to consider and to accept the gift and stop rejecting it. Go discover the good works that God has planned for you to do this year. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this time. Father, you are a good, good God. You love us. You know us. And you have good plans for us, Lord. Good plans on your standard, not necessarily on our standard. Father, would you just uh, allow this year to be a year that we are focused on you, we grow in deeper relationship with you, deeper relationship with those that we are doing life with. Father, we love you, we praise you, in your name, amen. Thank you.